Here we go. Ready? How you doing? You've answered that three times now, right? We ready to go now. All right. Discipling as Jesus discipled. Uh, there are some sad words in this world. Some of the saddest words words I heard as a kid were, "It's time for bed." That seemed like some of the saddest words for my kids sometimes, too. As soon as you say it's time for bed, all of a sudden they've got a whole bunch of stuff they wanted to do, need to do, but it's time for bed. Day's over, right? The other sad words for some people is back to school. For parents, that's not so, much, that's not so bad, right? But for kids, that's pretty sad. And then these are some really sad words, and kids won't get it, but uh, as you grow up, you'll get these sad words here. Some more sad words. We're from the government. We're here to help. Yes, sure you are. Sad words. Sad words. I've got three categories this morning, like I said. For sanctify, we're going to look at sad words, bad words, and last words. Because when Jesus is talking about sanctifying, here in John 17, verses 17 and 19 especially, I'm going to read 17 through 19 just one more time for you so that we have that rattling through your head as we're talking about sanctify. Jesus says in 17, Sanctify them in truth, thy word is truth. As thou didst send me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. Sanctify them in truth, thy word is truth. We've talked before about God being a God who who talks. He's, He's a communicating God. He's wanted communication with us from the beginning. He's talked to Adam and Eve, and he's talked all throughout history. He's talked to us. He's spoken to us through Jesus himself. We have him talking to us in his word. He's always wanted to communicate with us. And when I'm talking about sad words, I want to look through the Bible and see some sad words. Genesis 3, 8 through 9. These are some pretty sad words. The man and his wife hid themselves in the presence, from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord called to the man and said, what? Where are you? Those are some sad words. Where are you? God knows exactly where they are. God knows exactly what has happened. But the, the main, main reason that God says, where are you, is, is almost a it, give Adam and, and Eve a reality check here. Where are you, really? The sad fact of the matter is man sinned and has broken that relationship with God at that point. Those are some sad words to start man's history here. Where are you? God has been asking that throughout the centuries. Where are you? He's been looking for us throughout the centuries. Genesis 3, 8 through 9. But Genesis 6, 6 is also pretty sad. The Lord was grieved that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. Those are some pretty sad words. The fact that mankind could grieve God so much that he says, I'm sorry I made them. I'm sorry that this happened. I'm going to take care of this with the flood. That is some pretty sad words. Judges, or excuse me, Hosea 4, 6. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because you've rejected knowledge, I will also reject you from being priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of your God, I will also forget your children. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. That is pretty sad. When you just abandon understanding who God is, and God says, you're destroyed because you just don't know me. You don't know who I am. I'm I'm still calling out, where are you, essentially? Where are you? But you're not answering. 
Judges 16, 20 through 21, sad words here. She said, the Philistines are here. Samson, he woke up and thought, I will do as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not realize that the Lord had left him. Oh, that's pretty sad words too. The Lord has left Samson at this point. Philistines are here. And you're going to get messed up completely. But that's pretty much because of your lifestyle here, Samson. It's pretty much because you, you allowed this to happen here, Samson. You turned your back. You kept playing with sin over and over and over again. And finally, it really, really bit you hard. Sad words. Sad words in Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not, have we not prophesied in your name and in thy name cast out devils and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. People who don't know Jesus, don't know, don't do the will of the Father here. Not only do they not know him, but Jesus says, I don't know you. That's going to be, those would be extremely sad words. Matthew 19, 22. When the young man heard that what he was saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Who is he talking about there? Anybody know? Rich young ruler. This guy had a problem with possessions. And Jesus nailed that problem immediately. He knows where this guy's problem lies. And he says, this is your problem here. You need to take care of this. And he walks away sad. Now, that's pretty sad words. And can you imagine Jesus looking at him too? And his heart must have hurt as well. That heart that, that cares so much for people must have been hurting right there thinking, mm, don't walk away. But he let him walk away. Sad words. John 1.11. He came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. That's pretty sad words too. Jesus comes to his own. But his own say, no, thank you. We don't want you. Or we thought something else was coming, and we'd rather have this kind of a Savior. We'd rather have this kind of a Messiah. Those are pretty sad words. When we're talking about being sanctified in truth, thy word is truth, I wanted to, to talk about word. I wanted to talk about words in general and the fact that what Jesus, part of what Jesus and how Jesus sanctifies his disciples and us is through the words that he spoke. How do we know anything about God? How do we know anything about Jesus? Through his word. How does he wash us clean? Yeah. How do we know how God wants us to be washed clean? How do we know what Jesus wants us to do? How do we know how to act through his word? How do we know how to stay clean? How do we know how to focus? And what do we know God wants through the word? It, it, it culminates in here. How do we know about Jesus? I want to pattern my life after Jesus Christ where do I go to read about him? I read the Bible. That's the only place we're going to know Jesus. It's the only place we're going to get any clues about who Jesus is and what he did. And there's a lot of sad words here throughout the Bible that say, you have totally walked away from me. Where are you? I want you back. You've walked out on me. We're going to go from sad words to bad words. Now, bad words... Um, 
like this. The word will, world will tell you who you are until you tell the world. The world will tell us who we are, won't it? The world will define us. In fact, last, last week we talked about uh, sent ones knowing who they are. If you don't know who you are, the world will definitely let you know who you could be. They'll try to fit you in a box. They'll try to tell you who they are, who you are, you mean. Until you tell them, no, I'm not in that box. In fact, I'm, I'm a called one. I'm a sent one from Jesus. I'm different than that. I'm not the same that you think I am. Some bad words here. Jeremiah, chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. Jeremiah, and the word of Jeremiah says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Stand at the gate of the Lord's house, and there proclaim this message. Listen to these words here. Hear the word of the Lord, all you people of Judah, who come through these gates to worship the Lord. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Reform your ways and your actions. I will let you live in this place. Do not trust in deceptive words and say, This is the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord. If you really change your ways and your actions and deal with each other justly, if you do not oppress the foreigner, the fatherless, or the widow, do not shed innocent blood in this place, and if you do not follow other gods to your own harm, then I will let you live in this place, in the land I gave your ancestors forever and ever. But look, you are trusting in deceptive words that are useless, worthless, empty. Will you steal and murder, commit adultery and perjury, burn incense to Baal, and follow other gods you have not known? And then come and stand before me in this house which bears my name and say, We are safe, safe to do all these detestable things. Has this house, which bears my name, become a den of robbers to you? But I have been watching, declares the Lord. Those are some pretty sad, bad, and scary words. And at the end, what does God say to them? I have been watching. I know what you're doing. I know you're going and offering these things out here and then coming to the temple and saying, we're safe. That's not true. Those are some bad words here. People being led away, led astray. His prophets, his, his, his people not doing what they should be doing and saying, we can do this and do this and we're okay. No, you're not. You're not okay. Those are some bad words that you're listening to, deceptive words that you're listening to. Just like the world, the world will tell you, you can be okay and do this and still be a Christian. Sure. Just don't be a Christian too much. You know, be, be this. You can do this. And you can do that. It's okay. But it's not. And it didn't really change much even in the New Testament. Timothy, Paul warning Timothy that for the time will come when they will not endure what? Sound doctrine. They won't listen. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. They will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. They will actively do that. They actively look for that stuff. That's what that, that, those words mean. They're, they're actively turning their heads to try and find these things that are, that are pleasing to that itching ear. That kind of sounds like our world today. What sounds good? People do flock to what sounds good. Now, Jesus sounds good. But then when you start telling them, you know what? Jesus is actually asking you to clean up your life, too. Jesus cleans up your life, but you get to, you get to live that. Well, maybe that's a little harder. It's a little harder to do that. Not as easy. 
Maybe I need something else. Turn aside to fables, to myths, bad words. John 17, 17 through 19. Sanctify them in truth. They may also be sanctified in truth. His word is truth. Essentially, what I'm saying here in the bad words section is, boy, the world can tell you who you are. The world can, can lead you astray, just like God says in the Old Testament there. You're being de- deceived. These are deceptive words. You cannot live a double life here with me. I think Jesus laid down the same law with his disciples here. You can't be two people here. You've got to be all in on me. Now you'll say, well, Judas was with him. Yes, Judas was definitely with him. I, I, don't, think, I, I, I don't think he necessarily wanted, and Judas did betray him. But I don't think he, he wanted him to betray him. Honestly, I can't imagine Jesus saying, I'm so glad you're the guy that's going to do it. He knows it's going to happen. I'm so glad you're going to lose your, your soul. That doesn't sound like a Jesus I know. It's going to happen. Somebody's going to do it. Judas happened to be the one. But Jesus says over and over again, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father looks like this. I look like this. My disciples are going to look like this. And when they go out and they preach and teach... In the book of Acts, and they recognize who they are. What do they call them? Christians. And why do they call them Christians? Because they look like Christ. They look like Jesus. They look like Christ-like. That's the, the look that you're going for when you're a Christian. We live to be approved by God, not the world. That's a life that we live as disciples of Jesus. A life that is approved by God and not by the world. So if you go from sad words to bad words, I want to take us to last words here. Last words. And I don't normally go to this book for a lot of my teaching. This is one of the, this is one of the most requested books I've ever had when I ask somebody who, what they want to study. Maybe eight out of ten times, yeah, Revelation. They want to go study Revelation. And I'm thinking, oh, not again, not again. It's, it's a good book. But it's, it's, sometimes it's a little confusing. Sometimes it's a little hard to understand. But I want to end this in the last words of Revelation. Because I'm going to show you Jesus' last words to John, to a, to a bunch of people that need some encouragement and need to understand that what you're going to go through, you may get killed, you may be hurt, but your soul is secure in me. I want to give you those last words. So go to Revelation 22 if you want to follow along in your Bible. I'm going to have, hopefully, that will be, that's pretty, pretty good, big enough for you to read up there if you don't have your Bible with you. In Revelation 22, starting in verse 6 and going to the end of that chapter, I see some last words that kind of wrap up this life in Christ. If you're going to look like Jesus, if you're going to be a disciple of Christ, you might get persecuted, you might even get killed, but your eternity is secure. 22.6 And he said to me, These words are faithful and true. And the Lord, the God of the spirits of the prophets, sent his angel to show his bondservants the things which must, must shortly take place. These words are faithful and true. That little passage right there really, really, really rings, doesn't it? These words are faithful and true. God's words, Jesus' words in his revelation to John and in the rest of the book are faithful and true. 
always faithful and true. Which brings your mind to the gospel message itself. Jesus himself. Bill and I were talking this morning again about the exegesis of God being Jesus himself. Coming down and showing us what the Father looks like. Showing us what the the real image looks like. The icon, the exact representation of his nature. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. All of those things. Jesus shows us that. And when he preaches a message, what are those words? They are faithful and they are true. What are the words of the gospel? Two things, people. What are they? Faithful and true. Faithful and true. The message of the gospel is faithful and true. If Jesus says, this is the gospel, this is the gospel, and you can put your full weight on it, faithful and true. Verse 7. And behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. The prophecy written in this scroll. God's message. The faithful and true message that you see in verse 6. The faithful and true gospel that Jesus came to preach. He's coming soon. The prophecy in this book. It's going to happen soon. And what he says is, do you got to heed the words here. You've got to listen closely to these words. Now, isn't that also true about the gospel message itself? Yes. Isn't that true about what everything, everything that Jesus said from start to finish? You've got to hear Jesus' words. You've got to hold on to Jesus' words. What is it that's going to sanctify them? Thy word is truth. The word that he's preached, the word that he's teached. What else do we have to hold on to? We hold on to Jesus. We hold on to his words. We hold on to him. I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who heeds the words of the prophecy of this book. Verses 8 and 9. I, John, am the one who heard and saw these things. And when I heard and seen them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who had been showing them to me. But he said to me, don't do that. I am a fellow servant with you and with your fellow people. And with all who keep the words of this scroll, worship God, gospel message, the gospel message that is faithful and true, that reminds us each and every day that Jesus is coming quickly, is a message that drives us to worship. Now here John falls down and worships someone that says, get up, don't worship me, worship God. The gospel message tells us you worship. Why would I worship? Why would I want to worship? Why do you come to worship? Faithful and true. But it's also to gather together with the brothers. It's also to gather together and to remember the awesomeness of the one who brings us here. The awesomeness of the blood that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Together with brothers and sisters and lean on each other and love each other and sing to each other. Encourage one another and to remind each other that we are washed, we are clean, we are justified, we are sanctified by the blood. Now get out there in this world and be the people that Jesus called you to be. To love each other. It drives us to worship. That's why in 8 and 9, it drives you to worship. From the faithful and true message, from the messenger that is coming quickly, he drives me and hopefully you to worship this one who is coming quickly. Then verses 10 and 11. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this scroll because the time is near. Let the one who does wrong continue to do wrong. Let the vile person continue to be vile. Let the one who does right continue to do right. And let the holy person 
continue to be holy. Jesus, in this gospel message, asks us to focus on Jesus. This is the word that are faithful and true. This is the one that is coming quickly. This is the one that we're driven to worship. And this is the one that we continue to live a holy life for. I live for Jesus. Who do you live for? We live for Jesus, don't we? We live for him. We're washed in his blood. We live for him because God focuses on him. The gospel focuses on him. And we live for him. We're called out of the dark world into the light. We're called out of darkness into holiness. Now look at verses 12 and 13. He says, look, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to each person according to what they have done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. The gospel message here, the gospel message is focused on Jesus Christ himself, the one who is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. There is no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Just like the apostle said in Acts chapter 4. Why are you doing these things? Why are you preaching this message? There's no other message to preach. There's no other one to teach. This is the one that gives you life. This is the person that you have to believe in, Jesus Christ. Now go over to verses 14 and 15. Blessed are those who wash their robes that they may have the right to the tree of life and may go to the gates into the city outside of the dogs. Those who practice magic arts, the sexually immoral, the murderers, the idolaters, and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Blessed are those who wash their robes. Blessed are those who listen to that gospel message, that faithful and true message. Those are the ones that are clean. Those are the ones that will be saved. That gospel message leads us into Jesus Christ. That gospel message washes us in that blood of Jesus Christ. Then we are those holy ones that are robed with righteousness. Just like our brother reminded us this morning, royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. That's who we are, covered in Christ. Now look at verse 16. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this testimony for the churches. I am the root, the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. Now this might seem redundant, but this is, again, reminding me that Jesus is the message. He's not just the message for the season, like Tom was talking about this season. It brings people to remember Jesus, right? It gets people in that mood. Even people who don't go to church sing the songs. But Jesus is not just the reason for that season. Jesus is the reason for everything. Everything and anything. He holds all of it together. When he comes back, it's all going to be gone. He is all. Jesus is everything. Then verse 16 says, I am this root of the offspring of David, the bright and morning star. Jesus is the message. Jesus is the gospel. And verse 17 says, the spirit and the bride say, come. And let the one who hears say, come. Let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who wishes to take the free gift of water of life. That reminds me of the gospel message. Let the one who wants to be saved come. It's, it's free. The gospel gift is free. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the free gift of God is what? Eternal life in Christ Jesus. Eternal life in Jesus Christ. Come. That message that Peter preached in Acts 2, still being preached today. Come. 
You've killed the Lord. You've killed Jesus Christ. What do we do? Come. Repent. Be baptized. For the forgiveness of your sins and you will be clean. You'll be washed. You'll be sanctified. Justified. All of that. And you'll receive the Holy Spirit. Come. Same message. The gospel message that Jesus preached is the thing that sanctifies and continues to sanctify. Now look at verses 18 and 19. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this scroll, if anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. If anyone takes away words from the scroll of prophecy, God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in the scroll. You can't alter God's message. You can't alter this message. God is saying this message. And for me, I'm thinking... When he's talking about this book, he's pertaining, he's, he's talking about Revelation here when he's talking about that. But if I in any way, shape, or form think I can add anything to any other part of his word and be okay, I'm out of my mind. I can't add anything to his word. I can't take away anything from his word. When you add to or take away, it ceases to become one. Jesus Christ is the message. God says, I've delivered my message. Don't take away from it. Don't add to it. Just listen to it. Just do it. You don't need to add anything to it. Why by man's hubris do we think we could add anything to it? Why, why, do we, why would we think we could take away from it and be okay? We need to understand who Jesus is. We need to understand what he said. And we simply need to be transformed and conformed to him. That's all there is to it. Verses 20 and 21. Last two verses here in this chapter. He who testifies to these things says, yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's people. Amen. In these last two verses, there is some assurance. If you can say, yeah, come. Which one of you here can say today, come? Full assurance. Just come. I'm ready. Let it be over. I don't care if we miss Christmas. <laughs> Let it be over. Let's go. Amen. Let's go home. Come, Lord Jesus. That, that's some incomparable assurance that, that you can have in this gospel message that is faithful and true. If you can say, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go, God. I remember a brother not too, well, it was a while ago now. I keep forgetting I'm getting older and older. Yeah, thank you. Well, we were talking in a class one time, and he said he was, he was nervous about meeting God at, at, on Judgment Day. And I said, I'm not. I'm not nervous about meeting him. If I understand what God is telling me, if I understand what these, this word is telling me, I've got no reason to be nervous. Amen. I'm washed in the blood of Christ. I look like Jesus. I've been saved by him. What do I have to fear? God's taken that fear away. He's, he should have removed that fear from me because I don't have to worry about judgment anymore. I'm washed. I'm clean. I'm sanctified. I'm justified. And that's that incomparable assurance. We can say, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to stand in front of the judgment seat because I know God is faithful and true. And his words are true. And if he told me to be washed in his son's blood and I'm washed in his son's blood, I got nothing to worry about. It's a beautiful feeling, isn't it? Amen. Beautiful feeling. Jesus' last words in the Bible and Jesus' last prayer in John 17 all lead me to Jesus' last words to his disciples that we've already gone over. But if you want to turn over there really quickly, it's Matthew 28. 
Because from the prayer and from the tree, he, he dies, he's buried, he raises again. And then he comes back to his disciples in the book of Matthew and he says, <clears throat> I'll start in verse 16 of Matthew 28. But the eleven disciples proceeded to Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some were doubtful. Jesus came up and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore, disciple. Disciple all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus' last words in prayer to the Father to the, to, to the Father there in John 17, he talked about himself, he talked about his disciples, and he talked about us. Then he goes on and he's, he dies, he's buried, and then he's raised. His last words in Matthew chapter 28, verse 19, he says, Go make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, teaching them all that I've deserved, all that I, all that I commanded you. And he's with you to the end of the age. He takes your sins away, he frees you, he gives you new life, eternal. His word keeps us clean. His word washed us clean. So you take that justifying, you take that sanctifying, which, which is a process that goes on in our lives. The sanctification is a process that continues and continues on in our lives. We are constantly being sanctified. We take that message of the gospel. You believe in Jesus. You have your sins washed away. You have those sins cut away in the, in the waters there. That Jesus, that circumcision of Christ, and you rise to that new life, then you go live like Jesus. And that's what he asked his disciples to do. He said, go live like me. Go be me to these people. While I'm in this world, I am it. While I'm out of this world, you are going to be my messengers. You are going to carry the message. You are those jars of clay. And you sit here this week as jars of clay. Carrying the message of Jesus, being sanctified every day by the washing of his word. You've got to look like the word to people. You've got to go out there and be like Jesus. He washed you. He cleans you. He keeps you clean. I want you to go out there and be like Jesus. I want you to do that this week. How many of you are ready to get up out of your seats right now, walk out those back doors, and look like washed people that are washed in the blood of Christ. How many of you are ready to do that? <laughs> Excellent. That's what we need to look like today. That's what we need to look like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Every day of the week. We look like washed, sanctified people to people in this world. And then we get a chance to turn around and tell them, you can be washed in the blood. You can be saved, just like I was. You can walk this life. And look like Jesus. So do that this week. Walk in this world. Be to your family and friends just like Jesus this week. As we stand and as we sing.